Hello and welcome to Solutions. This is the seventh episode of our second series of podcasts for solution-focused hypnotherapists and I'm Cathy Eland. And I'm Trevor Eddles and we're both experienced solution-focused hypnotherapists. Working with clients using pre-written scripts is very effective, but wouldn't it be more effective and build better rapport with the client if what you said to them in trance seemed more like normal conversation and was tailored to them and their needs. The world of hypnotherapy can be divided into two types of hypnotherapists. There are those who prefer the indirect method of working with clients, which was proven to be very successful by Milton Erickson. And there are those who prefer the Dave Elman type of direct suggestion. Both seem to work. However, some clients prefer one type over another. So some therapists use a mixture of the two. And you can't stress the importance of rapport for successful therapy enough. S.A. Lambert, back in 1999, found four common factors in psychotherapy and counselling. The factors were techniques and model factors, expectancy and placebo effects, client variables and extra therapeutic events, and the therapeutic relationship. Yeah, they also gave a numerical value to each factor. They suggested that 40% of the change made by a client was due to the support network they had outside of therapy and the client's attitude to therapy. That's the client variables and extra therapeutic events. The next big category was the relationship between the therapist and the client. That accounted for 30% of the improvement in the client. The therapeutic alliance or the rapport built between the client and the therapist. Next was a 15% improvement due to the placebo effect and the client's own expectations of success. And lastly, yes, I did say lastly, was the therapy techniques used by the therapist. Wow. That means the therapist <clears throat> needs to make the words they say in trance fit the client. And the only way to do that is to listen to what the client is saying in the first part of the session. They should note the client's interests and hobbies, their values and beliefs. I had a client who was scared of water and hated the idea of drifting on a boat on a lake, whereas most clients love the float-away stress script. If I'd paid more attention to what they liked and didn't like, I would have had them relaxing in a country garden and they would have nicely relaxed. Yes, by modifying scripts or not using them at all, the therapist can match the client's model of the world rather than asking the client to fit in with the therapist or whoever wrote the scripts model of the world. In fact, podcast number eight looks at rapport and techniques to use. But let's suppose that you've been asked to demonstrate trance somewhere. What can you do? You don't have any scripts or music with you. An easy way to demonstrate light trance is to find a willing volunteer and ask them about a time when they were happy and what they were doing. It's important to get enough detail about their memory so you can talk to them about it. You can revivify that memory, bringing it back to life. The memory can be guided by suggesting things that might be true or possible, e.g. and you might notice the traffic going past, or the trees, or the tall buildings, or the rain falling. The secret is never to lead them by saying things like, and you turn left by the supermarket, because in their picture of the events, they well may be somewhere else. Yeah. 
Yes. When doing this revivification, there are certain things to bear in mind. They are what must be in the experience. These are truisms. Um, you can use the NLP submodalities, so visual, like how bright things are, auditory, how loud and clear the sounds are, kinesthetic, how they are feeling. Um, always direct their attention rather than the action and jump straight into the middle of the experience. And of course, take your time and debrief your subject afterwards and ask questions, e.g. what made it stronger or weaker? And that can only be done without a script. Yeah, true. And let's look at induction and deepener techniques without scripts. When relaxing a client into trance, the NLP techniques of pacing and leading can be used. Pacing is where you verbally feed back to the client what is already happening to them, e.g. and as your eyes close. Leading is providing verbal feedback for what you would like the client to do. For example, you go deeper and deeper into trance. Yeah, getting people into trance can easily occur if their conscious awareness is full. George Miller, a Harvard psychologist, suggested in 1956 that people could only hold in their short-term memory seven plus or minus two items. This is sometimes called Miller's Law. There are a number of ways to achieve this. Yeah, and firstly, there's the run-on sentence. How this works is to use a continuous flow of specific words like nominalizations. These are nouns that are created from adjectives or verbs and can't be put in a wheelbarrow. They're unspecified verbs, verbs that don't fully describe the action taking place. So people usually fill in the gap from their own experiences. And linkages, conjunctions like and, and the powerful and as. We'll give you some examples in a minute. Therapists can create long run-on sentences that occupy the conscious mind of the client. Run-on sentences naturally pull people into a hypnotic trance. In effect, they bypass the critical faculty of the conscious mind. Yeah, the therapists can also use analogue marking. This is mainly to do with how the therapist uses their voice in order to mark out particular words in what they're saying, so it bypasses the critical faculty. This can be done using vocal shifts, gesturing and pausing. It can also include body language, and that is what Milton Erickson used to do. Yeah, and another useful technique to use with clients are embedded commands. Statements, commands and questions can be concealed inside a phrase, direction or request. These are words or phrases that occur inside sentences, but which are stressed as a sentence is spoken. An example might be, as you listen to my voice, you fall into trance. <laughs> yeah. Utilisation and incorporation are useful techniques that use anything that may occur during the session as a way to deepen the trance of the client or build up the experience. They're used for pacing mentioned earlier. Utilisation is where something the client does is then used. For example, and as you scratch your nose, you find yourself going deeper. Incorporation is the inclusion of anything else that happens. For example, 
And as you hear that phone ringing, you know that it will help you to go deeper into trance. Utilisation is discussed in more detail later. And the feeling of trance can be enhanced by the therapist saying the words, that's right. And we mentioned nominalizations earlier. Here are some examples of these vague nouns. Power. Strength. Wisdom. Intelligence. Success. Peace. Inspiration. Motivation. Look. Compassion. Happiness. And moment. Yes. And here are some examples of unspecified verbs. Learn, become, grow, do, build, find, teach, inspire, choose, realise, consider, know. And let's have some examples of linkages. Of course, and, and as, and if, and when, and you, you might. (laughs) Before the trance session starts, it's always a good idea to suggest to the client deeper levels of trance exist so their unconscious mind already knows and that's called priming yeah things to say during the deepener include suggesting that every breath takes them deeper counting your client down deeper into trance your unconscious mind knows Mm. there's a deeper level and i want your unconscious to take you there as you breathe in you can allow yourself to go deeper and going down the steps. Yeah. Once in trance, you can direct their attention by using words such as notice, discover, or imagine. And you can also use run-on sentences, metaphors, and guided imagery. Of course. And Milton Erickson was perhaps best known for his ability to tell a story. And the person listening would notice life-changing results. And that's probably because metaphors can induce a light trance. Using metaphors work because metaphors occupy the conscious mind with content. The structure of the metaphor runs below the threshold of awareness. It causes the pattern-matching system of the brain to activate. Then it applies the metaphorical story to current issues and finally it can cause trance or create change without any formal hypnosis. Yeah, Metaphors are useful because they're powerful ways to create change without a formal trance and metaphors are difficult to resist because the subject doesn't feel targeted and metaphors are an easy way to engage the unconscious mind and find resources The client already has all the resources they need to make positive changes. And metaphors are natural rapport builders because the brain loves symbols and stories. It does. Uh, One secret when telling metaphors is to talk slowly as the client becomes more engaged. For all metaphors, the general rule is never to tell the client what the metaphor was about or discuss the content of the story and how it relates to them. If you do, it will stop it having any great effect on the client. So there are three types of metaphor. There are general metaphors, isomorphic metaphors and multiple embedded loops metaphors. 
Crikey. So let's start with general metaphors. Um, can be told to almost anyone for any situation. Can be told to almost anyone for any issue. Let the brain select what it needs from the story. Are handy back pocket tools to use with any subject. General metaphors are exactly what you would think they are. They are stories that aren't specific and can be often found through folklores, mythical tales or online. An example would be the two lumberjacks. So here we go. There was a competition between an old lumberjack and a young lumberjack. The young lumberjack wondered who had the strength and speed to beat him in a head-to-head -head contest. They went into the woods to see who would cut down the most trees. The young lumberjack threw himself into the challenge, working tirelessly all day without stopping. However, he noticed that the older lumberjack took a 15-minute break every hour. The younger lumberjack was confident he'd win. At the end of the day, the felled trees were counted, much to the younger lumberjack's amazement and disappointment. The older lumberjack had cut down more trees than he had. How did you do it? asked the young lumberjack. I didn't stop working all day, but you stopped every hour. The older lumberjack said, I stopped for 15 minutes every hour to sharpen my act so I could be more productive. Very clever. So let's have a look at isomorphic metaphors. They are crafted for specific people and their issues. They usually have a one-to-one -one correspondence with the presenting issue and have elements in the story that need to relate, but not directly. For example, if the client is a banker who's stressed out, don't tell a metaphor about a banker who's stressed out. The metaphor would be about someone else in a totally different setting that overcame a similar type of problem. The story needs to contain just enough detail to keep the client's interest, but not too much. Yeah, that makes sense. And thirdly, there are multiple embedded loops or nested loop metaphors. These are stories within stories within stories have embedded commands placed at the bottom of the loops. And these may cause amnesia after a certain number of loops. So here we go. The therapist tells about 80% of an interesting story and then changes to a second story. The switch can be achieved by saying, for example, which reminds me. They then tell 80% of the second story and switch again, perhaps by saying, Whereas when I was a child, and then they start the third story. Once they are about 80% of the way through, they can give a direct suggestion to the client. This can be hidden in the story by apparently quoting a character in the story giving the command. The stories can then be concluded in order, third, then second, then first. Now, clever bit. Some people then conclude another story, one that they never even started telling. Goodness gracious. Symbols are the building blocks for a metaphor, and some symbols are universal. These include lakes, ponds, mirrors, holes, caves, and much else. And these can be built into the metaphor. Using these techniques can help a therapist with clients without scripts. Yeah. 
We talked in our third podcast about good hypnotic words and phrases to use, such as imagine, just pretend, the more, as, and many others. And we also mentioned about Milton Erickson's techniques such as nominalizations, mind reading, tag questions, etc. Yeah, I remember. And other things you might like to include are sensory distortions, where the script includes the person hearing or seeing something different from the normal experience. Time distortion, where there is a suggestion to stretch time or condense it, e.g. And you know, a minute of inner time can feel like an hour of clock time. And then there's the trance depth test, for example, you could try and open your eyes and be surprised at the result. Uh, this idea of drawing information from a client for use in unscripted trance sessions does have a name. It's called the principle of utilisation. I said we'd mention it again later. According to Rossi, 1980, utilisation theory emphasizes that every individual's particular range of abilities and personality characteristics must be surveyed in order to determine which preferred modes of functioning can be evoked and utilised for therapeutic purposes. Not surprisingly, the idea of utilisation comes from Erickson. He wrote in 1980, the therapist's task should not be proselytizing on the patient with his own beliefs and understandings. What is needed is the development of a therapeutic situation, permitting the patient to use his own thinking, his own understandings, his own emotions in a way that best fits him in his scheme of life. Yeah, Erickson also talked about successful therapy being based on the utilisation of the subject's own attitudes, thinking, feeling and behaviour and aspects of their real situation. He went on to say that they were the essential components of the trance induction procedure. Yeah, and Erickson's utilisation approach built on the rapport he developed with his clients so that he could communicate with their unconscious after he had an understanding of a client's unconscious mind, he would tailor his language to surprise and challenge it, helping it to find solutions and heal. If that's what Milton Erickson thinks is the best thing to do, then, Trevor, who are we to disagree? Indeed. And in order to make the most of this utilisation technique, it's important to listen to the client before trance to understand about their personality and attitudes, etc. Then, when it's time for trance, rather than reading an induction script followed by a deepness script followed by therapy scripts and metaphorical story, the idea is to make what you say as much like ordinary conversation as possible. Use the client's interest as a way into a script or the ideas you want to borrow from a script. This will maintain or increase the rapport that you're building with the client, and it will keep their interest in what you are saying. If you want to stick with scripts, then be prepared to modify them as you go on the fly. Yeah, and it does make life harder for the therapist because they need to adapt what they're saying to the interests or concerns of the client. However, once this has been tried a few times, it begins to feel more natural and soon becomes second nature. And the proof of the pudding comes with better or quicker success 
for all of our clients. Brilliant. Well, that's about it from us. Good luck working without scripts. So next time, we'll be looking at OCD in detail. Until then, it's a goodbye from me, Cathy Eland. And it's goodbye from me, Trevor Eddles. See you next time. Bye. Bye.